Blog Talk Radio. Tyson, 
We can always talk about some Week 10 in the NFL. Where we're like, whatever you want to talk about, I'm here for you. True, true. Well, I definitely want to get into, you know, what happened Week 9 in the NFL and then get into Week 10 and all that. But what I want to talk about is um, the the uh, playoffs for college football for the national championship. This is the second year of the um, college football playoff rankings. And um, last week I went into a bit of a rant about about the whole thing. And this week um, Ohio State still is not the number one team in terms of the playoff rankings. As my son, who is a, a frequent visitor to the show, is you know get, is trying to make his voice known. But the if the season were to end today, Clemson would be the number one ranked team in the playoffs, followed by Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame just moved up one spot from uh, number five to number four. Iowa, which is right behind Notre Dame, is sitting on the outside looking in, just moved up four spots. They had the biggest jump. Um, And Alabama just moved up two spots, even though they have one loss on their record. The Two of the top four teams have one loss, whereas – Clemson and Ohio State both have yet to be defeated. Um, so I, I I went on around last week. I said, why is why is Ohio State not ranked number one? Now I kind of you know looked at it again, and I figured you know what they're not ranked number one because of strength of schedule. You know the schedule's not as strong as you know say a Clemson or say a um, um, you know, say it's a team like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I look I look at the playoffs, and I still think that Ohio State doesn't have to be number one to win the national championship. They just get into the playoffs, and then boom, it's on. You and, know, they and, get into the playoffs, and they run it. That's, that's the good part about the playoff system. Um, and, and to be honest, uh, everyone who knows me knows how I feel about college sports, but let me let me just be uh, very frank right now about the college playoff system. It gives you more of a chance to get it right. You know, before you have to worry about getting it right with two teams, now you have to worry about getting it right with four teams. And eventually we're going to have a team that people think should be number one, that's number two or three, and honestly it doesn't matter. And even if they're number uh, four, you know, as long as they get in, you know. I, what I worry about more, what I worry about more is the Iowa's, the Baylor's, the Oklahoma State's who went up six. They, they, they jumped up six spots. They're not in there also. I worry about those teams, those undefeated teams who are on the outside looking in. And what we could possibly have, what we could possibly have is two teams with one loss get in, and four teams undefeated on the outside looking in. That's when I exactly. think it gets a little dicey. That's when it gets dicey. And honestly, I I I, I guess the strength of schedule uh, system is fine. I guess it is. You know, until they come up with a better system, I guess it's going to be fine. But it all works itself out. I, I think that you'll find the national champion in the top four. I, I honestly truly do believe that. I don't think we're going to have a situation where um, a team that really should have been in didn't get in. And and, and until that happens, 
would have controversy every year, like we did when we had the BC when we had the uh, computer telling us who the national champion was. It's a better yeah, that system, not a perfect system. Yeah, that that BCS uh, travesty. Yeah, uh, that's what spurred on the whole playoff yeah, system yeah. thing. Is that you know the BCS was always flawed. It was always something wrong, and so they finally decided, you know what, let's have a playoff and let's really determine who in the world can, is worthy of being the national champion. Play for you know, play and earn your way in. Um, so that's that's you know one of the reasons why I like the playoff system. Like I said, it's going to go through its growing pains, of course, but when it's all said and done, you know, eventually it'll be right as rain, and you'll every year you'll have, a, you know, you'll you'll know who's the true national champion. It'll be a little bit more parity in college football, which is something that it's, you know, desperately needing. Indeed, indeed. Um, uh, but so I do want to get your thoughts though on the on the Missouri situation. I know that you know you spoke about it on your show earlier. So I just you know for the for some of our Skybox viewers who uh, listeners who probably didn't get a chance to listen to it on your show, you know your feelings on the on the whole Mich- uh, Missouri situation. Well, I'll try to I'll try to lay it out as fast as possible because I I've been. When I when I get on these rants about the Missouri situation, I I go way 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 too far in. So just 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 try to follow me on this. Um, people, when it comes to this Missouri situation, the media would have you believe that this is something that started a few weeks ago and culminated this week. You know. They would have you think they've been calling for um, change since the 1st of November, and they got it on the 11th, and that the football team really didn't have anything to do with it. This goes back, the earliest dates that I can find are 2008. 2008, and this is coming from a bunch of different sources. In 2008, you have students that are on campus right now saying that their freshman year, their undergrad freshman year, 2008, um, they just were used to people calling them a nigger, people driving by and cursing at them, people driving by, racial slurs, homophobic slurs, all the way back to 2008, drive-by taunting. In 2010, you had a really big situation where you had students outside of the um, the culture, the Black Culture Center of Missouri placing cotton balls outside of the culture center. Like, that's serious. That's serious. You had a situation in April where someone painted a swastika in ashes outside of a a black dorm. And then again in feces in November. And these people, these kids have been marching and fighting and protesting and rallying for months, months. They have been looking for some type of gratification, some type of just acknowledgement from the president of Missouri saying, hey, okay, we understand that there's racism going on. In previous statements, he wouldn't even say the word racism. Months of protests, him tapping a student with his car because they were protesting in front of his parking spot, uh, rallies, um, 
people coming in and interrupting their rallies, um, interrupting the uh, African Americans who are who are um, planning the homecoming. People coming in and calling them racist names in the middle of their meetings, very boldly, and they felt like they weren't being addressed. And it took it took after months and months of this happening, and years and years of incidents, and months of complaining and protesting and rallying. It took the football team, the football team saying, we're not going to practice, we're not going to play until the president steps down. That got the president and the chancellor to step down within 48 hours. And I think it's a shame that it had to come to that. It had to come to their money being messed up. And I think that once the uh, students, once the students see how powerful this was. Once the student athletes see how powerful this was and it hits them, you might start seeing these protests happen for other reasons. Maybe other racism, and maybe it's something like, hey, we want to get paid. We're not going to play. Because they see now that when they speak, people listen. One thing, one thing I can say about this situation is, it's not it's not surprising to me because what people don't seem to realize is that racism still exists in the South and even in the Midwest. It still exists. It's just that a lot of people either choose to ignore it or they know it's there. You know, it's one of those it's one of those ignoring the elephant in the room situations. Like they know it's there. It's not as pronounced and as evident as it was way back when during the times of segregation and discrimination. But it's still there. You know, you got people out, you know, you got people who, especially in those those regions, those areas, who don't approve of African Americans doing certain things. They don't approve of interracial relationships, interracial marriages, all that sort of stuff. So this kind of thing doesn't surprise me. Now the football team, you know, stepping up and saying, you know, making it known, like, look, we're not going to take this. You know, this is this is this is our school. It needs to be tolerance. It needs to be understanding. I mean, you got to understand that this was the same football team that embraced Michael Sam, who was an openly gay football player. He came mm-hmm. out to them, and they didn't they didn't taunt him. They didn't ridicule him. They didn't ostracize him. They accepted him. They he was a teammate first before he was a gay man. So for them to step up in this situation, it doesn't surprise me in the least bit because again, they accepted the gay man, so of course they're gonna accept they're gonna be like, Look, we can't we're not gonna have this. It, it, exactly. You know, Michael Sam did come out and say that he didn't have any of those issues. Um but you know, his situation aside the more information I find, and again, champ, the information is trickling in very, very slowly and it's very scattered. Um, there were lots of people who went through issues, and lots of people had these problems, and it just didn't seem like it was. Um, it didn't seem like it was. It was. It was dealt with the right way in Missouri. That's, that's just what it seems. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. We'll see what happens, but. You know, I'm more interested to see what happens the next time college athletes have a problem with something. I'm very interested to see what happens next. 
and and you know, with this, with us speaking about this issue, I do want to get somebody on the line who I think might have some insight on this issue as well. Somebody who's, you know, very in tune with, you know, today's societal issues and everything like that. Uh, he's somebody who, you know, who's part of your network, Mr. Big Hurt. Uh, he is the one and only, another man who's often imitated but can never be duplicated. He is Black GOP. Black GOP, what's going on, man? Man, I'm here. I, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You know, Sham, uh, uh, how you doing, Big Hurt? Um, um, hey, guys, hey, hey, hey. I, I, I am confused. I'm confused because here's my question. I, you know, what I do is I like to ask some questions, and I'm happy to ask them right here on the Skybox. I'm on the Skybox looking down on the rest of the radio world right now. Um. My, my my question is, and this is something I really don't understand. I don't understand how these administrative officials deserve to be fired based on a racist environment because that racist environment um, was not uh, handed down from the administration. That 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 racist environment is what happens in Missouri. So the next guy can come in, and and they can be they'll, they'll probably put a black or Spanish guy in next. You know, maybe a black or Spanish coach, but it won't change the minds of the racism. As I saw on, on certain stories, the, the, the KKK is marching through the campus. It, it happened earlier today. You know, um, it, it takes a special kind of racist to 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 draw a, a Nazi symbol in feces. So... I, what, what I don't get is, yes, you know, I, 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 mean, I guess these administrative officials should have been fired, but where's that going to change? That's a true statement. That is a true statement. It, 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 it honestly seems like it's intensified a little bit. And, and, and again, like I said, I don't want to jump to conclusions and say that he definitely deserved to be fired. Um, just from what I've read, I can see where he was very insensitive to their issues. Um, he even admitted, you know, there was a couple of instances that he wished he could have back, but, you know, it was like the gentleman said on TV, uh, like the kid that was going through the hunger strike said on TV, you know, yeah, he, him stepping down, um, they were more worried. More, they were worried less about him stepping down and more about the policy that would be put in place afterwards, specifically with punishment in regard to um, uh, punishment in regard to um, situations that happened. Because they felt like a lot of the students who did these things, especially like the students who put the cotton balls outside the culture center, were given slaps on the wrist. You know, I think they were looking for they were looking for a lot more. Um, Zero tolerance with racism from other students. So I'm eager to see how that pans out. I will say this. It seems like a lot of these uh, college campuses, they're like, you know, a lot of these college kids nowadays, I mean, there's something really wrong with this generation. Do y'all, did y'all see the picture that was post, that was circulating around social media from Alabama of them putting up a picture that said, you know, finish the job that Katrina, like, finish the job that Katrina started or something like that. And, yes. 
you know, that. with that and then this, it's just like, what is wrong with this generation of college kids? I'll take it one, one step further, uh, champ. Um, <laughs> um, these, these college kids are so, so crazy and so um, disconnected from reality that instead of organizing to, to, to um, make their point, they'd rather pick up a gun and go assault college campuses. It's almost weekly. It's very close to being weekly when we hear about a shooter at a college campus, it's so bad that we're desensitized to it. Um, uh, college is, is, is totally changing uh, you know, the way that the students approach, uh, approach the game. Um, even in our school system before college, um, they're, 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 they're worried. They're worried about officers and, their, officers and their slamming children around. They're worried about you know, all these other situations. They're worried about sexual assault, sexual abuse, Red cases happening. Red cases popping up all day long. Um, um, you know, child molestation cases happening. <laughs> so, I think after this era, this is my take. You know, after this era, um, we we will not uh, students in the game will not be the same again ever again. Everyone's going to be worried about is the, is their head coach um, doing things with kids in the shower. Um, is 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 a, a quiet student going to come in and pop off and clap off uh, twenty other students on campus? Um, is, is the officer on campus going to come in and, and, and use his his authority to abuse students? Um, what parents? What, whatever. There's so much that's happening to education right now. It seems like, in my opinion, everything's happening. But oh my God, education. All this other madness is happening with education, and I feel like the country is confused right now on the subject and the topic. I feel like the country has no answers, has no idea what to do, and the, the, the old heads, yeah, they can shut down. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they quit. They give up their jobs. No biggie. Sure, they quit. But what happens next? The more things change, the more things stay the same. That's how I look at it. Exactly. Exactly. Thinking, Big Hurt. Uh, I'm just thinking, how do they? Like, like, I feel like in that situation, something had to be done. Something had to be done. And I think there could have been things done without, you know, the gentleman having to step down. He looked like he was a sacrificial lamb. And, and let's be honest, let's be honest. Tim stepping down had absolutely nothing to do with the racism that was happening on the campus because the racism had been happening for years. If he wasn't going to step down after that cotton incident, he wasn't going to ever step down. If he wasn't going to step down after ramming, his, uh, tapping the student with his car, he wasn't going to step down. It had everything to do with the students, um, uh, football players deciding they weren't going to play, period. That's the only reason he stepped down was because that happened under his watch. And it was a credible threat, and it was understood, like, hey, we're not, we're not going to play. We're fine with it. That's, that's, that's what happened. That's what happened. And since he didn't step down because of the racism, and he stepped down because of the threat from the football players, what really got done, what really got accomplished? 
like I said, the information is still trickling in. It's still very hard to get a hold of. So hopefully in the next couple of days, you know, that's something we can get more information on or or, or it will still be something that people care about. <laughs> right. No, I, I'm right there with you. Hey, Black GOP, you got any... You got any final thoughts on this uh, on this topic? Um, I, you know, I, I would just say to folks out there, um, um, you know, in college, guys, you're going to deal with a lot of things. And, and by guys, I do mean men. Um, you're going to deal with a lot of things, including um, the, the shaping of, I'm not sure if it's coming on the skybox, but of the campus rape situations, um, you know, uh, um, house parties, um, binge drinking, and, 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 you know, and, and those were typical subjects as far as college goes, uh, hazing. You know, those, those were all, you know, the norm. And, you know, we, we could see, you know, some was hazed till they died, none of died, this is that. But now, guys, um, I, I would ask that, you know, you, you, you have to worry about college shooters and, and 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 you have to address the racism that's going on on your on your college campus. You guys have so much to worry about, but I'll tell you this much: um, to anyone out there in college listening to the show, all you're dealing with on your campus ain't got shit on the real world. That's all I got for this subject. Amen. Amen. Black GOP. Uh... Hang on the line. We might come back to you a little later on with, uh, with some more stuff. So just hang on the line. And, uh, thank you for providing some very good input on on this on a couple of these situations with college campuses. Hey, hey thanks, man. I'll, I'll be here for as long as I can. If I drop off, I drop off. You know. But hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem, dude. That was Black GOP. A lot of people may know him. He's also part of the the True Radio Network uh, team. And um, again, we have the Big Hurt here on on basically borrowed from that same network here as a special co-host in place of Chills, who will be back next week. So I want to definitely get into Week Nine of the of the NFL. And before we touch on the Redskins Patriots game, because I'm pretty sure it's plenty, we got plenty to say on that. I just want to know, would you agree that the game of the week for week nine had to be that Sunday night game between the Eagles and the Cowboys? No question. No question. I no mean, question. I mean, no question. A game like that really solidify, really shows that as much as the NFC East has gotten weaker over the last few years, it's starting. It, it, a resurgence is soon is soon to be coming because that shows you how how deep the rivalry is between the uh, the teams in this division that the Eagles and Cowboys played to overtime and it took an overtime touchdown by of all people Sam Bradford yeah. to to win the game. So this is a question I've been thinking about like all day that I wanted to ask you. Do you think that Sam Bradford has finally found the team and offensive system that he can bring back the 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 same uh, qualities that he had when he was winning the Heisman Trophy in, in Oklahoma? Absolutely not. 
Oh man! Oh, I gotta hear this. Yeah, yeah, look, look, look. I have said for a long time that Sam Bradford's one of the most overrated quarterbacks I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen someone flourish less in Chip Kelly's system. I've seen two backups flourish better in Chip Kelly's system than than Sam Bradford's doing. Um, Sam Bradford will not be a starting quarterback for the Eagles next year. Um, um, I, I, I will go further and say, don't be surprised if you get Sanchez before the year is over. I, I oh, think he's man. overrated. I think he's, I think he's overrated. I, I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that good. This offense, this is the lowest offensive output since Chip Kelly got to uh, Philadelphia. The lowest output. Bradford leaves a lot on the table. There are a lot of throws he can't make. Chip Kelly is doing what a coach is supposed to do, which is play to his strengths. But his strengths are not this system. And his system has shown his system has shown that it's better than what Bradford's doing to it, honestly. Um, you know, I feel like there are certain uh coaches who feel like their system is better than 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 um than anything, and they they make a mistake by going away from their their player's strengths. I'm not naming no names, um, but there are some right down the street. Chip Kelly is not that. Chip Kelly's system has it seems to be tried and true, and I think he's just adjusting to Bradford because we all know Chip Kelly's just waiting for the end of the year because he has his eyes on a QB that's going to make him a offensive juggernaut. He can't wait. He can't wait. In the meantime, he doesn't even care about this year. But I think the bigger problem in Philadelphia than Sam Bradford is the quarterback is DeMarco Murray is the running back. Yeah, I understand they want the power running game going with DeMarco Murray, but Ryan Matthews is clearly the better back. Clearly he's the better back. And I'm not sure what Chip Kelly's doing with that. I'm just not sure. Um, that's that's Still very interesting. I mean, that's that's very interesting that you would say that. I mean, yeah, Sam Bradford has struggled mightily as a pro, and you know, I I figured that you know coming into a system like this that maybe just maybe he would you know it would he would show some some flashes of what he's done in Oklahoma. I, I kind of feel that. Maybe that game against the Cowboys where, you know, especially with that overtime touchdown, that maybe, just maybe, that's the spark that he needs to possibly get to that level. I mean, it's, I'm just that I'm, – I'm on a wait-and-see kind of, you know, idea with this because he could turn around – anything could happen after this game. He could turn around and he could all of a sudden just turn into a pro bowler or he could turn around and turn into, like you said, an overrated, unsuccessful starting quarterback. Anything can happen between now and when week 17 comes around. I mean, but you said it earlier. Chip Kelly is playing, you know, setting up the offense to Sam Bradford's strengths. Unlike another coach who doesn't do that with his quarterbacks, you know, 
like you know Jay Gruden. Okay, we're not going. We're not. I, I I had to say the name. I'm sorry, but I mean, that's that's what a coach is supposed to do. You got to play to the strength of your quarterback with your offensive system in order to for it to be successful. And I just think that maybe Bradford's maybe this is a spark he needed. Maybe this will get him. You know, maybe this will get him to another level, or maybe he'll fall back. And then maybe you're right. Maybe Sanchez does, you know, come out and try to save the day, and maybe it'd be too little, too late. Yeah, and 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 I mean, he's kind of pushed everybody that was in power ahead of him out of the way. I think he's bought himself uh, enough goodwill in Philadelphia for let him go through this year and just be whatever and stagnant. And plus. In this division, it's anybody's division. Anybody can still win division. You know, honestly, you know, you know. I look. I, I've kind of been laughing at my my fellow Redskins fans who are putting up all the, uh, you know, all the memes are cute. The video memes are cute. Like I really love my favorite video meme is the, uh, uh, is the uh, count the number of the day for all the losses in the row that Dallas has had, and for all of that, there's still one game behind the Redskins. So it kind of mm-hmm. hurts. It kind of hurts my stomach. It kind of it kind of hurts my stomach. You know, luckily, you know, we'll be able to stay ahead in this week when uh, we beat New Orleans, um, and because um, Dallas is definitely going to win this week, and the Redskins going to win this week also, and Philadelphia, New York, we'll just see. I mean, I do find it like absolutely insane. As much as a lot of people, whether they're Redskins fans or just other fans that are not Dallas Cowboy fans, that we all talk and joke about how much Tony Romo's a choker, this and the third. But if you'll notice, the the Cowboys, since Romo has gone down, they have not won a game in two months. Put up during that Sunday night game that any time somebody has backed up Romo, they've lost. They have not won a game with Romo not being a starter for the last couple of years. So as much as we can sit and joke about, oh, Romo's a choker, he can't do it in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, it's obvious that this team cannot win without him. As much as it pains me to say that, it's the numbers don't lie. This team cannot win without Tony Romo. And he's, he's scheduled to come back against Miami in a couple of weeks. I worry. I worry that if he breaks that collarbone one more time, his career is done. His career is done. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, 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 I think he's 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 got to be very delicate with it. I'm thinking. I was thinking the same thing between the collarbone and the vertebrae in his back and his ribs. You know, he's getting toward the end of the train. He's getting toward the end of the train, and that's another place where they would love to have a young mobile quarterback to sit behind him and learn for the next couple of uh for the next year or two. And um oh, man. One team's trash, another team's treasure is all I'm saying. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying right there. But um but you just made an interesting prediction that you're saying the Redskins are gonna beat the Saints this coming Sunday, so I just like to know where where did you come up with that where did you come up with that prediction? Oh well, easy, easy, easy. Um, you know, the last time we were in New Orleans, um, you know, Robert Griffin's first game, 
300 yards, no interceptions. We kind of had this offensive juggernaut thing going against um against them, and uh, we pulled right. it out. Kirk Cousins, um, if you believe what we're being told, is a much better QB in all facets. The defense has greatly improved since that team. The offensive line has greatly improved since that team. And New Orleans is not as good as that 2012 team was, in my opinion. Um, In my opinion, this game um, is a little bit of a walk away. I'm not impressed with New Orleans' defense. Um, Drew Brees is doing way too much. I think it's going to be a shootout. But I think um, I think you're going to see um, multiple touchdowns by both teams. Very high-scoring game. Uh, my DraftKings is going to be heavy on both uh, both teams, and I think the Redskins are going to pull it out. That's just my opinion, and that's not that's not me speaking from a fan perspective. I really think the Redskins are going to beat New Orleans handily. Hmm, that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, prediction. This is what I this is what I'll say on it. Um, Kirk Cousins has you know uh, has shown some flashes of improvement. Um, only thing was you know against New England. You know, essentially, his his receivers basically let him down with the drop passes and everything like that. My my concern is is that are we going to see more butterfingers again in this contest? Because not a chance. I'm I'm not, hoping not that. But, you know, I don't want to see more butterfingers like I saw in that game because you know you're at home, you're facing a, a team like the Saints who. You know, they can score at will when they want to. Um, you know, you don't want to be in a, in a shootout or you don't want to be in a situation where you can't put points on the board um, and you can't get your receivers to put, you know, to put the work in if Drew Brees is out there throwing and lighting it up like he did against the Giants a couple weeks ago where he had four, five, over 500 yards and seven touchdowns, for crying out loud. You don't want another game like that. Um, I just think that one, they just signed a new. They just signed. I think they made a couple signings this week. They signed a new wideout and they signed a new center because uh, our our current center Lichtensteiger is on IR re- recall, meaning he won't be eligible to come back to play until the final game of the season. Um, so I think that with those additions. Maybe just maybe the Red. Uh, maybe I I I can agree with your your prediction that the Redskins win this one. Though I won't say it'll be a runaway, but I do think that if they can, if that offense can stay on the on the field long and keep that offense of New Orleans off the field, I think that they can definitely have a chance to walk away with with this victory and really make. Uh, the race for the NFC East a lot more interesting. Yeah, and 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 they gotta do it. They gotta do it. I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins has been um, my new name for him. That I'm going to debut next week is Captain Inconsistent, and he's really just been the epitome of one game up, one game down. And you know, I give him a pass for the New England game because there was lots of drops, 
but I've never seen another quarterback on this team get a pass for drops. You know, we had a game in 2013. I'm sorry, 2012, where um, no, 2013, where uh, they played the Steelers and there were you know 12 drops. I'm sorry, 10 uh, 10 registered drops per game, and there were no excuses given. So that's that's kind of where we had to be uh, with this one for me. For me, that's where we had to be with this one. Oh, I re- I remember that Steelers game. I watched that game uh, from a from a spot in Alexandria, and you know, surrounded by Steelers fans, and I'm just looking and seeing all these drop passes. And I'm just like, you know, put me put me in the uniform. I'll go out there for like a, like five hundred thousand dollars and catch them. I mean, what's what's really going on? So I'm hoping that it's not going to be a repeat of last week or that game. Catch the football. You guys get paid to catch the football, especially if they're thrown and you they hit you in the hands. Catch the football. Catch the football. And, and, and yeah, sake, get the running game going. Uh, uh, Jake, Jake Green's incapable of, of getting the running game going. Let's let's just call it what it is. Um, I I saw there was a there was a status today where people were talking about um where people were talking about you know, the decline of players, and somebody mentioned, God, they mentioned Alfred Morris. I'm like, Alfred Morris has consistently, consistently been a great running back, not a good, a great running back, consistently every year since his rookie year. And you're telling me now, now there's a problem. Jay Gruden doesn't know how to use a fullback, and we have a great fullback in Daryl Young, a great fullback. Jay Gruden doesn't know how to use a fallback. You're supposed to shame, use the too. tools that you have. And and then people true. are blaming uh, Alfred Morris. I can't ride with that. I can't ride with that. That's all on Jay Gruden. The running game's not going to get going because Jay Gruden doesn't believe in the running game. He believes in running by short passes. He believes in the three he believes the three yard pass is the same as a, a, a three yard run. And it's just not the same. Anybody who's played football can tell you it's not the same. You don't tire a lineman down with three-yard passes. You tire them down with three-yard runs, which is why when people say, well, Alfred Morris only got 10 carries, but he only had like 30 yards, like you don't understand. You don't understand because the yards per carry go up every carry. By the time he has um, 30 carries, we're over 100-something yards. That's, that's wear and tear. That's your lineman going forward. That's the defensive line going backwards. People don't understand, and Jay Gruden clearly doesn't understand. It's clear that he's out of touch with that. I mean, when you look at the stats and see that the Redskins haven't broken the century mark in terms of rushing yards as a team, it's just so obvious that he's turning his team into a one-dimensional passing team that any good defensive coordinator can prepare for and have the perfect defensive game plan to stop it. You know, if you're going to rely on Kirk Cousins, who you call captain inconsistency, inconsistent, being the one that they have to depend on, then there's no wonder that this team can end up either back in the cell of the NFC East or, you know, something like that, or not winning the division, period. They have to, they have to be able to be balanced. They have to be balanced. Absolutely. They have to be balanced. All right, so 
there are three undefeated teams left in the NFL. The Patriots, after they defeated the Redskins, the Bengals, and the Panthers, surprisingly. So out of those out of those three undefeated teams, which one of those three undefeated teams gets their first loss this week? Let's see. We have a look at the schedule real quick. I'm cheating. I'm cheating here. I'm looking at the schedule. The Panthers yeah. are going to beat the Titans easily. That's 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 easy. Um, the Patriots and the Giants. Eli Manning owns Tom Brady's soul. Well, that's only in the postseason. Not so much in the regular season. So we'll see what's up with that. Um, Broncos and Chiefs. I think the team the most dangerous to Patriots. Um, and, and I said before the Patriots game, I told people uh, the Patriots hadn't really, hadn't really played anybody. They'd only played one playoff team that was over 500 um, in their undefeated streak. And you see the Redskins' defense held them to their lowest output. I think the Giants have the offense to take advantage where the Redskins didn't. And, again, all those drop passes we just don't know. I think the Giants have a really good chance of pulling it out on the Patriots. Pause. Oh, no pause in November. Sorry. <laughs> that's that's my uh, prediction. That's a good that's a good prediction. I mean, when you look at it, you said it. I mean, Eli knows how to beat Tom Brady, but it is in the postseason, so it's it kind of you kind of look at that and take that with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, I, I'm I don't have a lot of faith in, in the Titans. You know, pulling out a victory and stop and, and stopping Carolina, I just don't see it. Uh, Cam Newton's, you know, on another. He's on another plane right now. He's been doing his thing, and uh, yeah, so I, I I don't have any faith in them. Uh, and then Cincinnati, they face Houston uh, on Monday night, and that's yeah. <laughs> Houston, I haven't heard much of anything about Houston to have me even remotely believe that they can stop, they can end the undefeated streak of Cincinnati. So I have to agree with you that I think the Giants may have the best chance and be the team that um, takes down another undefeated team and takes down uh, the Patriots. But then again, it's a toss up, in my opinion. It's, it's definitely a toss up. I, you see, I didn't even put the Bengals in the in the equation. Houston, Houston can barely beat themselves, and they, they, they got no chance. It's going to come down to, and, and I'm sorry, I don't know why I even mentioned the Broncos. It's going to come down to either the Patriots, the Giants, the Patriots, or um, and Tennessee doesn't have a chance against uh, New England. Yeah, I, I think it's the Patriots. I think it's the Patriots. Yeah, I, like I said, I tend to agree because. I mean, like I said, the the other two undefeated, they they they, you know, they have. When you look at it on paper, they basically have somewhat easy uh, games. But everybody knows that when the NFL games aren't played on paper, they're played on the field, and anything can happen when it comes to the NFL. But I think that you know, I think we're both in agreement that uh, New England is probably the most likely to fall 
this week and end up with two undefeated teams left. Uh, but flipping the script a little bit, flipping the script. So out of these three undefeated teams, which one of these three undefeated teams, this is a t- this is going to probably be a tough question, which one of these three undefeated teams makes the playoffs and actually makes a run in the playoffs? Patriots, Patriots home in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's well, angry. Bill Belichick's angry. Uh, they want nothing more. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Roger Goodell having to hand the Super Bowl trophy to Tom Brady? Can you imagine that scene? Let's stop and think about it. These guys were in court three months ago, battling it out over this supposed cheating scandal. Battling it out. There were things said that can't be taken back. Roger Goodell didn't show up for the first time in his tenure as commissioner, didn't show up for um, opening game, opening night. And the fans in New England chanted, where is Roger? Where is Roger? That's crazy. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are living for the moment that Tom Brady stares down Roger Goodell after he's awarded the MVP for the Super Bowl, and Roger Goodell has to hand him that Super Bowl trophy. Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year. They're not going to lose more than three or four games during the regular season. They are going to win the Super Bowl. Mark my words. And that's that's interesting. That is, I mean, I'm thinking about that now, and I'm I'm just sitting here like laughing because I'm like I could I I can imagine a look on Goodell's face, having to hand over that Super Bowl trophy to, uh, you know, Bob Kraft and, and Belichick and Brady, and just having to just eat that crow and be like, yeah, they they managed to make this happen where he wasn't suspended for four games, he didn't get suspended for a single game, and now they're standing here taking on. The Lombardi Trophy again, uh, I man, and it'd be back to back. Remember, they are the defending champions. Oh yeah, absolutely. And people people forget that. People forget that they're the defending champions. But um, I think Tom Brady and Belichick, they have a couple of goals. Number one, they want to beat the uh, Steelers Super Bowl record for New England. They 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 want to walk out with seven Super Bowls. Uh, Tom Brady wants to go down as the greatest Super Bowl as the greatest player of all time. Bill Belichick wants to be known as the greatest coach of all time. People are trying to stay in their legacy with this cheating stuff, but in the end, you know, it's not getting done. That guy is a coaching genius. How many quarterbacks did he have? You talk about Dallas's backups, right? You talk mm-hmm. about Dallas's backups and how they haven't won a game in years. Bill Belichick takes these guys who come in for Tom Brady, they have fantastic seasons, they have fantastic games, he trades them, he gets a pound of gold, and they end up being a handful of beans. He sends out offensive coordinators who go on to get great contracts and never amount anywhere, and they come on back. And Bill Belichick is steadily in New, in, in New England, Stock and draft picks, 
doing things the right way, getting his players all in-house, no big contracts. I mean, when people get to the point where signing for a big contract, he lets them go. Like, you can stay or you can go. This guy got rid of the greatest wide receiver of our time because he questioned Tom Brady's haircut. Bill Belichick is an OG. Yeah, he is. He really is. Yeah, he is. And another thing to think about is, you know, and this has been said over and over again, but it's got to be said again. Tom Brady, the seventh quarterback pick in his draft, in his draft class, the seventh, taken in the sixth round. Six other quarterbacks were taken ahead of him, and their combined record is a very bad losing record. Tom Brady has won almost 150 games in his career. Yet these these quarterbacks who are taken ahead of him, these six, half of them aren't even in the league no more. Well, if if no, if my if if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, none of them are in the league no more. And it's like, you know, these teams who took them ahead of him and were probably sitting there thinking, the hell were we thinking? Like, what were we thinking not taking this kid? I mean, I understand at the time he didn't show that he could be that guy. But what's the old saying? Looks can be deceiving. Never judge a book by its cover, et cetera, et cetera. This is a prime example. This is a prime example. They judged judged a book by its cover, you know, and what happened? That book ended up being a bestseller that is still selling great at this stage of his career. He's basically a Hall of Fame quarterback that is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. The moment, like After he retires, after he goes through that waiting period, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he'll have the greatest story because he was a sixth-round pick, played to just be a backup, and he turned around and won all these Super Bowls, all these MVPs. He's got records up the up the wazoo. And the whole time, a lot of these teams are looking like, why didn't we sign him? Why did we let him get away? There you go. Yeah. Plain brain player. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 you know, keep in mind, their one miracle, lucky, Hail Mary, fluke of a catch off the top of a helmet away from another Super Bowl. And the perfect season. They want that perfect season back. It's not happening, but they want it. They want it. And then the person who had that fluke catch, he ain't even in the league no more. <laughs> exactly. You know? So we got we got a couple minutes left here, Big Hurt. Uh, again, thank you so much for you know being on the show and you know standing in for for chills. Uh, it's very much appreciated. And you know we have some time. If you want to go ahead and you know you know plug your show and everything like that. Let, let all the listeners know how they can find you and uh, things of that nature. Um. Well, first of all, I want to thank you all for having me on, and 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 it, it's it's great to be uh, back on two sides of the story productions. It's 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 been a while. Um, 
Folks, you can find me, um, Hertz House, every Wednesday, True Radio Network, TRU Radio Network. Uh, if you have any questions or you have any problems with anything, anything I've said, um, you can hit me, HertzHouse at gmail.com. Um, yeah, that's that's basically where you can find me, Wednesday nights, True Radio Network, Brother Station, um, mostly talking about the Redskins. And, and, and I, I love coming over here. It's, it's a nice change-up because, you know, I never really talk about NCAA, you know how I feel about college sports, but it's 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 good stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, y'all can find Hurt. He is on the Hurt's house. I've been on the Hurt's house uh, a couple of times, and you know he has some very he has some very unique folks that that call in to speak on the Redskins and everything like that. But y'all definitely check him out. You know he comes on before Skybox, so you can just listen to him and. Uh, get in on the conversation there, and then tune in to us here at, at on on Skybox at ten a, at ten p.m. and and you know talk with us and you know get your sports fix. Three hours of, of, of pure sports with you know a, gr- a great two great shows, two great shows. Yeah, exactly. Great shows, both great shows. Exactly, and um, just to give you a quick quick plug. Uh, you know, tomorrow night we got you know we got mic check. It'll be yours truly, uh, the Bishop Eddie Kane, and um, we're gonna be we're gonna have our new host uh, Queen Poison uh, debuting on the show. As we're gonna get we're gonna touch on part two of our two part series of This Is the Remix, where we're gonna touch on some of the bad remixes that have come out in music. We touched on the good ones last week. We're gonna look at the bad ones this uh last week. We're gonna look at the bad ones this week. Uh Hurt, we would love to have you to you know, 'cause I know you're a big music fan just like I am. You know, love to have you on tomorrow, you know, call in and, you know, speak on some of the remixes that we'll be talking about, you know, give your you know, your choice of bad remixes and everything like that. You know what? I, I, I will see if I can set aside some time for that because, you know, I definitely would have loved to be around for some of those good remakes. I love some obscure some obscure good remixes. Um, you know, one of my favorite songs of all time, very, very little known, is the uh remix to um Horse and Carriage. I need to find that Mace, one. Mates, Cameron uh, Cameron, I'm sorry, Cameron and Charlie Baltimore without Mace. It's uh, it's got okay. a sample of Night Court. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. Okay. I'm going to check that out. And then also remember to check out His and Hers this Friday night. Uh, the refresh on Sundays, and I believe we have a sh- the hangout show this Saturday night. So we got a lot going on here. So make sure y'all check it out. All right, Big Hurt, thank you again. We're we're out of time. No problem. And again, thank you, Big uh, Big Hurt. Thank you, Black GOP, and thank you all for listening. This is DC's People's Champ. Chills will be back here next week. We'll see y'all next week inside the Skybox, and we'll see you tomorrow night for my check. Good night and hi.